welcome to the Owners Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Prue Chapman, and I'm here to help you build a better business. Whether you're just starting out or you're looking to grow your global empire, this is the place for you. My mission here is to inspire and educate a new wave of business owners. Business owners that value purpose and planet equally with profit and projections so that we can truly use business as a force for good. Here, I'll be sharing real-time, real-world strategies that I've learned from mentoring over 15,000 businesses. We'll be covering everything from entrepreneurial mindset and marketing right through to leadership, finances, growing your team, and everything in between. Most importantly, I'll be helping you build the business that's right for you. To get started, download my free guide to starting and scaling your business at theownerscollective.com forward slash start and scale. Welcome back, friends. My guest today is Jessica Maguire, a trauma-informed integrative physiotherapist passionate about teaching people the tools and resources that reshape the brain and the vagus nerve. Jessica believes that knowledge is power and that we're empowered when we have the autonomy to play an active role in reshaping our mind-body system. Her specialty is teaching patients about the vagus nerve and the nervous system and how stress-related illnesses such as anxiety, depression, gut disorders, autoimmune issues and chronic pain can arise from dysregulation after chronic or traumatic stress. This is going to be a good one. Listeners, Jessica, welcome to the show. Hi, Prue. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, it's an absolute treat. And I would be lying if I didn't say that there was a little bit of a personal uh, interest in this podcast. So as I mentioned earlier, um, I was having a chat with one of our mutual friends, Odette from Odette & Co. And I just have had these couple of weird health things going on, nothing major, but just little things. And my osteo had mentioned the vagus nerve to me, something that I'd never heard about before. Went home, jumped online, started doing some research. I was like, the vagus nerve, how have I never known about this um, and was then chatting with Odette and she highly recommended you as an expert to talk to. And then after diving into you know a lot of the information that you're putting out, I was totally hooked. So as I said, I was initially drawn to your work um, around the vagus nerve. So I want to start there in our questions today, but also then to broaden our conversation out to the nervous system and how it's currently affecting business owners, particularly after the experiences we've had in the last 12 months. And also because I think this is, it's a huge topic that is underpinning business and life, and it's just not understood or talked enough about. So... I'm excited to dive in and I was hoping that to kick off, um, could you explain what exactly the vagus nerve is and the role healthy vagal tone plays in our overall well-being? Yes, I would love to. So the vagus nerve it runs from the brain stem, so the base of the brain. If you were thinking where the skull meets the neck, it starts about there and it runs all the way down into the heart and the lungs and then it goes under the diaphragm into the gut and it touches almost every organ in kind along the way. So it's about the size of the spinal cord, pretty big, and it's to me, when it comes to stress, I believe that it's the most important nerve in the whole body um, because it's really at the epicenter of what we call the mind-body connection. So when it comes to stress, we probably have always thought, you know, the brain is the 
commander or it's like the computer that oversees everything. And whilst it's really important, what we're seeing now is it's a little bit different than that. So messages from the heart about the signals or the way the heart beats travel up to the brain via the vagus nerve And we've seen in science that these patterns can determine our resilience or our ability to cope with stress, our ability to recover from stress. And this is also being seen with the gut. So we know that the enteric nervous system or the belly brain, um, it's housing 95% of our serotonin So that affects our mood. And we've also got neurotransmitters there that have that are anti-anxiety neurotransmitters. So a lot of what's happening coming up to the brain is originating in the body. Um, And so the the question around mental health to look at that in terms of stress, perhaps it's not giving us that whole picture because it's also what's happening with the body, and that's being communicated via the vagus nerve. it's, it really controls what we call our autonomic nervous system. And this is if we move into different states such as fight or flight or if we move into freeze. And, you know, I think it's important to say right up that a healthy nervous system isn't always calm. That's not the goal. Um, it's that it's resilient and flexible. So it can it can meet what's happening in front of us appropriately and then it can recover quickly um, from that stress and that's what the vagus nerve job, its job is. So really it's the key to our emotional health. Um, And when it works properly, it really has an anti-inflammatory role. So it puts us back into the state where we have rest, rejuvenation and repair And that can help to improve a lot of things like chronic pain, gut disorders, allergies, um, and how the immune system's functioning. So you mentioned vagal tone, and just like a muscle, you know, if we say it's working healthy, it has good tone, it's the same with the vagus nerve. And that vagal tone is really a key biological correlate of our psychological well-being. So it correlates to how quickly we can recover after a stressful event has happened and also how we'll respond to that stress as well. And I think, as you mentioned, with the last sort of 12 months and we can see that we had prolonged uncertainty, prolonged stress, and we can say that what affects our mind-body system the most is chronic or traumatic stress where that sense of traumatic stress can be stress where we feel helpless. So what I saw in 2020 with patients was we had the bushfires at the start of the year and that was a huge stress. And then before there was even the chance to recover from that properly, It was another wave of stress with COVID and all the uncertainty and then the flow-on effects that that's been. So for business owners, you know, the financial part, um, if they've been able to pivot or if not, um, and that ongoing stress really can make us more prone to having anxiety and not being able to switch off and relax. Um, And we look at this 
in a, we can use it as a measurement of looking at what's called the vagal break. So if you imagine you're on a bicycle, you're riding downhill and you would keep just a little bit of the brakes engaged with your hand um, so that you didn't go too fast. Well, that's what we have in the branch that runs of the vagus nerve that runs from our brainstem down to what's called the sinoatrial node or the pacemaker of the heart. So it keeps us going at a good speed. Now, if we have a lot of, or if we wanted to say focus or bring up some energy so that we could meet a demand in our business, like say we wanted to pitch a product, we might just relax that brake a little bit, but our hand is still on the brake and that lets us go a little bit faster. So that would be the same with our nervous system. We have more energy, our heart rate comes up, our blood pressure comes up so that we have the focus to deal with what we need to. And then when that's over, we just re-engage that brake again and we'd slow back down. But what happens if we don't have good vagal tone is rather than just relaxing that brake and coming off a little bit, it gets completely released. And so our physiology speeds up and we move into fight or flight. So it's, it's a little bit like we, our whole mind-body system then means we have anxiety, we can have a racing heart, we can feel that adrenaline going through our body. And so I think from the ongoing stressor of 2020 and, you know, leading right through to now, especially we saw at Easter here in Byron, the, for people that vagal break hasn't been working quite as well and it can make us more prone to anxiety. Wow. I'm just, I could just sit here and listen so intently and I'm sure all of our listeners are exactly the same because everything you're speaking is such truth and such lived experience for me and I promised myself that I wouldn't use this as a personal session although it's hard not to. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It had started happening to me at the start of the year as I started to get a racing heart. It ended up landing me in emergency and I've never had any heart issues. And so then, and it was, this is something that I didn't know that I'm learning right now on this podcast is the effect, um, you know, that that vagal tone has on the heartbeat and that racing heartbeat. Because like I said, I was experiencing all these little symptoms and I didn't feel overly stressed. However, going through 2020 and just being a business owner in general with a life outside of business, it's these things can kind of, they can creep up. I almost, it, it's the vision that comes to mind is that I guess a saying more about the frog boiling in the water, like it doesn't notice. It's, a, it's an awful analogy. I wish I had a better one right now. Um, but sometimes we don't notice this until it really creeps up on us and we start getting these kind of random symptoms. So what system, symptoms do you see um, in your patients when this vagal tone isn't what it should be. Sure. So mostly people will come in and they'll say they're experiencing a lot of anxiety more than normal. So they, um, you know, feel that they're not as, perhaps not as resilient as what they were before. Um, And then there can be digestive issues. So that can be things like IBS symptoms. Um, It can be, uh, for some people, it's small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And these are mostly to do with um, the microbiome. So we can also see that for a lot of people, it can be 
um, insomnia, you know, that change in the sleeping patterns. Chronic pain is a is a really big one that people will come in with. Um, what's some other ones? Uh, allergies. Uh, there can be things like asthma because we know that when our nervous system isn't working as it should, we say that it gets dysregulated, then so does the immune system, so does the endocrine system, but even the cardiovascular system, as you're saying. So yes, for some people, it will be things like heart palpitations as well. Mm, absolutely fascinating. It's almost like this is the missing piece of the puzzle. And I'm so surprised that it's not spoken about more. And I'm so glad that you're doing all the work that you're doing, and particularly in the education realm at the moment. Because, I mean, for something that is, like you said, the size of the spinal cord that is having this quite profound effect, and I would say definitely for entrepreneurs who are holding a lot of capacity around a lot of stress, a lot of things at a, you know, most of the time, this is, this is really important information to know. And also to be able to action and to do something about. So there's a bunch more questions I want to ask you, but just before we move on specifically from this vagal tone, I mean, how do we go about starting to to support our vagus nerve? Mm, it's a really good question. I think what I teach to people in like the workshops and things like that is the very first thing is having an awareness of your nervous system. So to recognize there's different states of it. So often we kind of blame ourselves and think, um, you know, I'm falling short. I'm just not doing enough. And one that I see particularly you know, for business owners is they, they put a lot of energy into something and really push. And so there's this anxiety, inability to switch off and they're go, go, go. Don't sleep properly. Probably use a bit of like extra coffee to keep them going. And then they tend to hit a wall and crash. And then in that state, there becomes like an extreme procrastination and it's not necessarily that it's being lazy or that we're just not capable enough. This is a physiological response of our nervous system that's fatigued from being in one state, has hit the wall, and then we've come down into another state. So I think recognizing early on, okay, I'm spending too much time in a state where it's bringing anxiety, I'm having trouble sleeping, I'm getting physical pain, my gut isn't as healthy or moving down into that state that I was talking about that's associated with burnout. And I like to think of this a little bit like if you imagined a river flowing, you know, like a river of water, there's a bank on either side. So at the top of the bank is that anxiety always being, say, switched on, like too much energy, or the other side of the bank was that crash and burnout and being completely flat. So as entrepreneurs, we probably tend to spend a lot of time up, you know, hitting that bank of push, push, push. And then if we sit there for too long, hitting that burnout and coming back down. But if we can learn to say, have the flowing of the water between the banks, you know, the normal fluctuations of, yes, I feel a bit stressed today or, okay, I feel a bit flat today, knowing how to support ourselves to stay in that middle because that picture of that swinging up and down 
really represents what nervous system dysregulation is. And it's spending too much time on the riverbanks or hitting those of where the vagus nerve gets affected. And so does the regions of our brain to do with self-regulation. And so for how I teach people to do it, there's not really one best practice. It's saying, these are the things that help regulate my nervous system when I'm in this state. Um, If you think of it like a parent would attune to a child. So say you see the, the toddler's like, quite distressed and upset, a parent would attend to it um, and calm it down and vice versa. If the child was flat and lethargic, they would bring some energy and help to bring them back up. So the best thing we can do is learn to come back to that middle range. Again, it's not always being calm, but it's being in a state that's more regulated Mm, that's some really great advice there. And I like what you said. It's not, there's not a magic pill to fix this, or I imagine a pill at all, um, but rather kind of knowing what's best for you and in that particular state, how you are best going to self-regulate. I think that's really um, sage advice. And also what you highlighted there as well about entrepreneurs that can go, 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 but then they kind of hit the flat line. And I think that's definitely what I'm seeing around me at the moment. And I would say probably for the last six weeks as well, people that are typically very driven that I know in my business community um, are flatlining. And they're just saying like, this isn't like me. This is not how I normally operate. I just like, I can't get the gears going. Um, And it seems like, yeah, exactly what you're talking about there is happening across the board. And I'd say as a hang up, probably from, I'd say, chronic stress of running a business, but then also the acute stresses that 2020 brought into our lives as well. Absolutely. And, you know, stress isn't actually bad for us if we get to recover fully from it. So we can actually make our nervous system more resilient and adaptable with experiencing some stresses and challenges. And I don't think that's something that entrepreneurs have a problem with doing is moving outside of their comfort zone. But, you know, if we never get to recover fully from that stress activation, um, so if we keep experiencing significant stress outside of our comfort zone without a complete recovery of the nervous system, then our resilience will be depleted. So, you know, it's like going to the gym. You go and train the next day is where that muscle that was torn rebuilds. So it's a little bit like training and training and training. You're going to end up with a, with an injury. Well, it's the same if we keep being outside of our comfort zone and pushing and pushing and not getting the chance to turn those survival responses off. So if, it, if the nervous system is getting the message that the stress responses always need to be on, then that's, that becomes the norm and we see the anxiety, the depression, the brain fog, you know, all the things with muscle tension. Chronic fatigue is a massive one as well. Mm. I think that is a really important message to get out um, is that, you know, stress isn't necessarily bad, but we need, it's it's how quickly we recover that we should be looking for that. And in order to do that, we need to, we need to really have those rest periods. I mean, this old Monday to Friday and nine till five, I mean, I think entrepreneurs probably work double that to be honest, but it doesn't just this consistent slog just does not work. It's not sustainable. It's not sustainable for ourselves and therefore not sustainable for our businesses as well. So actually, 
like it's a it's probably a good point for our listeners just if you're checking in here with how how do you operate and work because it's probably better to work in shorter timeframes or shorter sprints um, maybe at intensity but then have a good rest period rather than at intensity all and over intensity all the time it's just it's not long it's it's not long term sustainable so just moving us forward here a little bit, because I honestly could spend all day just in just talking about the negative here. But I feel like there's something else under, like like some kind of other sinister piece of the puzzle that is um, playing a part here, and that is for our brain to have a tendency toward negative negativity bias. Um, so, can you talk our listeners through what that means? Because I'm sure some of them have heard it, but may not completely understand into how that is also pe- playing a part in this picture. Sure, absolutely. So we can look at this from an evolutionary point of view, which when it comes to stress responses, it is really helpful to look at where we came from. So a stress response was only meant to be in the acute stage of dealing with something stressful 10 minutes. And that would give us enough time to fight off the saber-toothed tiger or to run away from it. And then ideally we would have recovered. So we have evolved to be on the lookout for danger. Um, We're more likely to be that, you know, slightly tipping towards fear and, and danger. And that's what's helped us evolve. So we call this um, neuroception, how we move between the different states of our nervous system. And neuroception is really how we would detect if people, places and events are safe, dangerous or life-threatening. And neuroception is detected by the region in the brain called the amygdala, which is a little bit like the smoke alarm, but it's the vagus nerve that sends the information up to the amygdala and then has the responses coming down into our body. So they work together. And how our amygdala is shaped really is through a process called implicit learning so or implicit memory. Um, So let's say I said to you, could you remember the first time you rode your bike without training wheels? And you'd probably get the picture of, say, a parent and a sibling helping you on your bike and seeing, you know, where you were, what your bike looked like. So this would be an explicit memory. You know, it's like going into the filing cabinet and pulling out a memory. But being able to actually remember how to get back on your bike and automatically ride it, we'd call that implicit memory. So it's implicit to your system, your mind body can just remember how to do that. And it's a, this is how we learn through our lives. So how we'll respond to future stresses depends on what's happened in our past. And if for a lot of us, we've experienced some quite, um, some, some big adversities, and this can come from, you know, really pushing through a a previous business or or a previous time. It can be, um, a really difficult relationship, or it can be, um, a kind of trauma that amygdala can get a little bit more sensitive. So we can have more limited ways of responding to stress. And this can be from stories that are underneath our 
conscious awareness because that process of neuroception, it happens in the survival brain, not the thinking brain. So it's not something we can cognitively say, I just need to be more positive or I just need to think of it in this other way. Stress is happening in a region of the brain that doesn't involve thinking. So it communicates us with it communicates with us through neurotransmitters and hormones and the vagus nerve. So we feel those strong sensations in the body. And so often, you know, we'll try and outthink these triggering feelings, but it doesn't work. We get sort of stuck in them. And this is where these regulation tools and having an awareness of our nervous system can be really important rather than just telling ourselves to get on with it. We have to get it done. You know, we need to make it work. It it doesn't quite change the stress levels. So to answer that question, if we can in the present have practices that help us to tip the scales the other way where we are using ways to plant seeds of feeling safety, feeling connection, feeling trust, we're actually improving the brain's ability as well as the way the vagal break works to calm our physiology and to respond in new ways to stress. So I think for everybody, given our evolution, it can be so helpful to have ways that teach us that we don't have to respond with anxiety every time we see an email with a headline that might be, you know, a little bit of a worry. There's, we, we don't have to get stuck in these limited programs, programming ways of responding. Mm, so true again. And I'd be the first to put my hand up and say, you know, that that it's almost a pattern that can run on repeat. And as you say, that the amygdala having this sort of um, limited way of responding. It was interesting because when my like little health kick up happened a bit earlier in the year, uh, I was walking with a friend and we were walking over the back of Broken Head, so up the seven mile track, that road there. And as our listeners may or may not know that the main form of uh, transportation for people that live there is helicopter. And so a helicopter actually came up behind us um, to go to one of the houses there. And I jumped like there was a tiger coming for me. (laughs) (laughs) My friend who is is the most chilled out human on the face of the planet, um, which just looked at me and I was like, ha ha, nervous system on high alert. There is tigers (laughs) I could see the actual humor in it. Like I thought it was hilarious at the time, but also it was a very real, that was my immediate response to a helicopter going overhead. And so I tell that little story because I think it does just highlight how I guess you know, at that time, because I hadn't been, you know, super aware of kind of this buildup that was happening for me, um, what my immediate response was to a relatively everyday event. There was no tiger and the helicopter wasn't going to hurt me. (laughs) Increased startle response can definitely be a symptom (laughs) of the nervous system saying, I need some support. (laughs) So perfect. It perfectly fits in with what we're talking about. (laughs) A live example there for you folks. I told you, wasn't going to hold back on this one. Okay, now, Jessica, another, I mean, I just want to ask you about all the topics. And another one I'm particularly interested in is um, when you discuss the window of tolerance, um, can you talk to us, I guess it kind of feeds into what we're just talking about now around, you know, 
um, the hyperarousal and the hypoarousal as well. Sure. Yeah. So I love this framework of the window of tolerance to understand the nervous system. And I need to give credit to the fantastic neuroscientist in the US, Dr. Daniel Siegel. And so the best way to to understand this is if you imagine a window, it's got a line above it and a line below it or the frame. And so we, it's a little bit like I said with the riverbank too. We want to be inside that window. So if I'm functioning well and my brain and nervous system, you know, they have the challenges and the ups and downs in my level of energy or level of stress, that's a healthy way to be functioning most of the time. Um, so I may, for example, say on the way to work, experience some traffic, which is a little bit annoying. So I get an increase and I go up closer to that top line, but then I calm back down and come back to the middle. And then it might be, you know, normal if I was to eat quite a few carbs at lunch to feel a bit sleepy in the afternoon. So that's that normal fluctuation. And how we move, you know, up and down is we can think of an accelerator um, when we do face some stresses or the of the called the sympathetic nervous system. And what slows us back down again is a bit like the break, which is what we're saying now is the vagus nerve. But say I experienced something quite stressful, like I was driving home from work, came around a blind corner and there was a car accident right in front of me. I'd feel that surge of adrenaline. I'd quickly slam on the brake. And this would happen before I'd even had the chance to really register what's going on. And that would be the amygdala putting me into fight or flight. So above that line, we would call that hyper arousal. So it's normal to have fight or flight experiences. And as I said, that would save my life because it would be faster than having to cognitively process, ah, there's an accident there. So that's how, that's how we have come to evolve. But what tends to happen is people are hanging out in that state of hyper arousal above the window of tolerance. And so there's prolonged anxiety. We can be, have prolonged anger, irritability, We can become reactive at people. It affects our gut. So when we're in hyperarousal, what's called gut motility or the movement of food through the gastrointestinal tract, it actually stops because it doesn't matter if we're going to digest our food if we need to get away from a lion or a tiger. It's the body's not going to prioritize that. It's going to prioritize our immediate needs of survival. And so this is why so many chronic health conditions can arise. So say I had prolonged gut motility, I'm likely to have something like irritable bowel syndrome or small intestinal bacterial overgrowth because the microbiome will change. And that's just a simple example of how stress can lead to illness. But what people may recognize in themselves as a business owner, and this is where it's really great to have this understanding, is the perfectionism coming in. So the constant thinking, need to do, 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 do. And that, I would say, is a response of the flight system. 
So we want to avoid feeling any pain or we're trying to get away from any discomfort. And so we might find ourselves having to do things perfectly. Um, Often it can come up as the overdoing. So, you know, if we're a little bit nervous about something that we've got coming up in our business, we might become a bit of a control freak and find ourselves, you know, doing, 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 and taking on more, 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 or just trying to get more done. So for me, when I see this response in myself, I try and go faster. So that hurrying urgency, got to get it done. And our thoughts can really become those worrying, ruminating, looping thoughts. And we find ourselves jumping from one thing to the other, to the other, to the other. And we probably lose sight of the big picture. So we think we're doing more, but we're probably doing more of the menial tasks that don't really matter rather than having the clarity to go, this is what I need to do, do, you know, these five things well, and then switch off. So that would be hyper arousal. And that also plays into relationships. Like we're more likely to become critical, judgmental. We're probably more likely to start arguments. Now that's one response. And you may see that and go, oh yes, I can recognize that. But the other response is called hyper arousal. And that would be where we've dropped into that sense of feeling flat, more depressed, and shame really maps to hypoarousal in the nervous system. So you might get that sense of feeling it's the situation is helpless, there's no use, there's nothing I can do. And, you know, even describing this, I can feel that sense of heaviness and disconnection from coming up in my body as I explain that. And and I think it brings that extreme procrastination for people in business where they're like, I just don't know what to do. I feel so stuck. I feel so um, lethargic and tired. I just can't do it. It's all too hard. Um, and that too has an impact on our digestive health. It's often linked with our immune system going a little bit into overdrive as well long-term and the way that it might affect us in our relationships is withdrawing, isolating, stonewalling, not communicating with people. So there are two different ways that our nervous system will respond but we can learn to bring ourselves back inside our window One thing that I think is fascinating, if you can picture that window in your mind, is that following chronic and traumatic stress, the window gets smaller. So that means if we were to have fluctuations through the day inside the window, those things that before weren't putting us into hyperarousal or hypoarousal do move us into these states. So we spend more time in those places where our relationships are affected, our emotional health, our physical health, um, and really our ability to think clearly, to be innovative, to be creative and productive. Wow, so much stuff going on there and so much that's like just diving under the hood. So I know that this is a question that is the natural next question from all of our listeners, but what do I do about it? And I know that you mentioned earlier, um, you know, we all have different ways of how do we start to regulate ourselves and what is good for us. Um, 
for me, I guess, and I guess I wanted to ask you here, just more broadly, kind of what do you see working for people? And if I can share from me personally, like when I was having that heart stuff that was going on kind of end of January and February, um, cutting out the caffeine was huge for me. Like that was the first thing that I had to do and made a radical difference in the way, obviously, that my nervous system um, was responding. But also because I do have that tendency to the hyper arousal. It's for me being aware of that and also balancing out, okay, if I'm in a hyper kind of state at work, then how am I balancing that in my home life um, or my 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 off time, my leisure time, if you like? Am I supporting myself with slow barefoot walks on the beach? Am I supporting myself with more yin yoga? Now is not the time for me to be punching out my 20K runs. So sort of kind of having, I guess, for me personally, it's being much more aware of the balance that needs to happen and being able to activate that differently at different times. So I guess just more broadly speaking, are there maybe a top three things that people could look at if they are noticing, I guess, either their windows getting smaller or that those kind of waves are getting bigger? Sure. It's a great question. And how you explain that is is really great because I think the question is to ask ourselves, you know, what do I need right now to support myself? But from what the science has shown, there's some really good evidence um, which looked at heart rate variability training. So this is something I absolutely love to do with patients, but it's we can measure this with an ECG to actually have a, you know, really good look at that change and it actually does look like the wave and and we can bring it into a pattern that's healthy but you don't necessarily need to measure it to be able to get this but the science has shown that a breathing pattern that's 5.5 breaths per minute is what can optimize being able to come back into the state where vagal tone will be higher so that means we'll come back inside our window of tolerance I'm not really a fan of just doing passive exercises, you know, just for the sake of it. So, of course, we read a lot around gargling water or humming can bring in uh, a stimulation to the vagus nerve. For me, what I love to work with with people is to change things in the heat of the moment. So say you actually do feel stress and you may recognize, oh, I'm going into this pattern. So say for what you're explaining for with you, it was that hyper arousal. So say you feel the anxiety come in or you might feel the mobilization of your nervous system. It's ways to slow that back down. So it could be, okay, I'll start with the breathing, see if that works. And why it's a little bit tricky is for some people, say, who might move up towards panic, which would be going up higher out of the window than hyperarousal, breathing might not feel so great for them because it makes them aware that they're hyperventilating. So in that case, there's things we can do where we might say, okay, I'm going to focus my attention on the contact points of my feet on the ground. And by doing that, we bring in an area in the brain called the prefrontal cortex. It's just behind the eyes. And it's a little bit like a parent would regulate a child. It down-regulates the amygdala. 
So say you could do this anywhere, just if you, if you feel yourself being really caught up, it's like, okay, can I just feel the sensations on the base of my feet for a minute or the soles of my feet? Can I feel the areas of pressure and warmth? And for people who were in that hyper arousal, like really wound up, if they were actually able to soften their feet and let them melt into the floor, posture is a way, we call it a bottom-up regulation technique, where we can bring down that activation. So we're engaging the vagus nerve by getting that softening a little bit through the feet, and then we're actually bringing the survival brain and the thinking brain into harmony via the prefrontal cortex when we focus our attention on that one point. For the person who was more in hypo arousal, so flat, they could use the same technique, but they could add more energy to the system by gently pressing the feet into the ground. So it's actually upregulating the system. Um, often with that hypo arousal pattern, there's a, what we call a dissociation from the body. So sort of cutting off from the feeling in the body and adding that back in can actually really help um, to regulate the areas in the brain that, that can help us come back inside the window more. And so whilst you know, there's a lot of, um, yeah, yeah, that's why I said at the start, there's not really one best technique. It's having this framework and then saying, okay, what, what can I use when I'm in hypoarousal? What can I use when I'm in hyperarousal? And it can be formal practices like one I just said, but it could be informal practices such as going for a walk on the beach, like you said. The thing that I think is super helpful is, other people. Um, so we kind of talk down codependency as a bad thing and celebrate being, you know, okay on our own. And I think that entrepreneurs spend a lot of time by themselves. Um, you know, you might not see anyone all day if you're just on your computer working away and then you get to the afternoon and you're like, oh, I haven't really spoken with anyone today. So when stress is is quite high or we feel ourselves at the edge of those windows, whether it's too hyper or hypoarousal, even just calling a friend and having that voice and attunement to your needs or how you're feeling can be enough to help people come back down inside the window. So, you know, you might pick up the phone and vent to somebody about how annoying something is, and that can be enough just to help come back inside the window. But I think for people who um, spend a lot of time on their computer and, and doing that they're a business owner on their own, it's really easy to become isolated. And this is where, yeah, we need other people because that's the fastest way, I would say, when we're stressed to come back into a into a regulated state. 
Wow, that's a fascinating one, actually, is to help use other people. And I like the kind of differentiation that we're putting in here as in in terms of having these uh, more regulated and more formalized practices um, that we, you know, whether it's the yin yoga or um, whatever it might be that supports us all of the time, but also having these very in-the-moment strategies that we can employ and whether that is something that is um, practiced or whether it's just something in the moment and can be as easy easy as picking up the phone and talking to someone. I think that's really important as well because, um, you know, when, uh, if, if it's me, for example, and I'm in the helicopters come over and I'm, I'm my wave is well beyond that window, uh, my yin yoga is not necessarily helping me at that given moment to lay down on the road and do the yin yoga. However, <laughs> talking to my friend about what was going on and her very calm voice was actually, you know, I came out of that state very, very quickly. And that's a, a tiny little silly example, but kind of illustrates the point um, as well. And I'm not so terrified of helicopters anymore, which is a good (laughs) thing. Uh, Jessica, as much as I could stay here all day, and I'm sure that we'll have to grab a coffee, actually something that is not coffee uh, to drink (laughs) around Byron Bay. That's such a force of habit. Um, I I will wrap us up there to be mindful of your time today. Now, of course, you run masterclasses and programs and you're very focused on helping people improve that vagal tone and understand their nervous systems and how to regulate them and just, I would say, function better in business and life. So, I mean, how can people best get in touch? Sure. So you can head over to my website, which is jessicamaguire.com, M-A-G-U-I-R-E. And everything's on there. So yeah, as you've said, the masterclasses and um, programs, and we do have a couple of live workshops um, coming up mid-year that have still got some places left as well, um, if people want to learn that live. But yeah, thank you, Prue. (laughs) Uh, thank you, Jessica. And I would also actually recommend um, Jessica's Instagram as well. Um, there's a lot of great snippets on there and some topics. And if you want to just jump on there and have a, a look at the incredible value that she's providing there, then that's also a really great place to start. So Jessica, thank you so much for joining me today. I've tried my best not to use this as a personal session. Uh, I'll do that at a later date. Uh, but thank you. It's very helpful for me. I've learned a lot here and I'm sure our listeners will as well. So thank you. Oh, thanks, Prue. It's been lots of fun. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if you never want to miss an episode, be sure to subscribe over on Apple Podcasts. I'm also dropping some juicy business building tips on Instagram. So head over to at Owners Collective to join in the fun. And finally, folks, if you're hungry for a deep dive into the entrepreneurial story behind some of the best businesses around, be sure to listen to my other podcast, One Wild Ride, where we talk all things good business, positive impact, and epic adventures with the most inspiring entrepreneurs around. 